Well, good morning, Oceanside Church. Uh, thank you so much for having me uh, in your houses today as we uh, bring the Lord's Word to you here this morning. Uh, and thanks to Mike for allowing me to do so as part of his team. Um, really do miss you guys from me and Camilla. Um, we just miss having the community at Oceanside Church. And I have a message for us today that's really from that feeling of, of missing and feeling apart and, and all of that stuff and what I think God wants to say through that. Um, as Wes opened the service here today, he led with a scripture from Jeremiah 29. And it's kind of a happy coincidence because I was in Jeremiah 29 on Tuesday night as I was thinking about things to share and just studying more and more and more, waiting for what God wanted to say. And also is funny, at our Wednesday morning staff prayer meeting, Mike brought that scripture as well, Jeremiah 29. And it's kind of like an awesome, happy coincidence. Um, and I love it when that happens because it's just cool when you know that God is speaking and uh, knitting our hearts together in these times. And I think maybe the three of us have been drawn to that scripture recently, uh, well, because of the framework around it, because of what was happening in Jeremiah 29 at the time. This time that we're in right now, it's feeling like a long time apart, and ever increasingly, it really feels like exile for lots of us. In the time of Jeremiah, God's people had been conquered once again and carried off again to be captives in a foreign land. They'd been taken out of their environment. They'd been forced against their will to go somewhere else. And thus they were exiles once again. And Jeremiah 29 is a letter to those exiles. Jeremiah trying to encourage those peoples at the time as Wes reminded us at the beginning of this service so conveniently. And for us, you know, as days of coronavirus lockdown have turned to weeks that have turned to months, and which is now really almost turning to a whole year, that feeling of being captured or conquered or apart is, is really sinking in more and more for me anyway. And, and I'm really privileged. You know, we live in a place where our, our actual in-laws are next door. We've got family around us. I'm still able to come to an office and see some people and pray with some people. And even in that environment, which is really privileged right now, um, that feeling of being conquered and exiled is becoming apparent. And I think that's why we all ended up in that scripture. Um, we're becoming increasingly weary as a people, even though there are glimmers of hope and there is hope on the horizon that this will come to an, an end soon. But COVID is highlighting to us exile by its physical limitations. And now I don't want to be melodramatic. There's really not a different time in history or a place that I prefer to live. We are an amazing country and an amazing time in history. Um, we've been forced to take seasons at home with Netflix and Serb over times. And, you know, none of us would choose to be in our great grandparents day um, with you know two world wars happening chaos everywhere as opposed to choosing today you know it's the reason why they're called the greatest generation they're called that for a reason we are tremendously privileged here but 2020 for a lot of people will be the hardest in recent history for them or maybe even the hardest of their lives depending how different factors combine in our day today but during Jeremiah's exile, it was so much more. Well, for one, this was a war a long time ago. <laughs> Things were pretty brutal, as you can imagine. And two, they were physically carried away from their homeland into another place. 
You know, when you leave your homeland and you're forced to go somewhere else, you're forced to experience their culture, their places of worship. They had lost all of their own places of worship. And now they're placed in this foreign land, which really made them aliens and exiles. Different gods, sin rampant and everywhere. You know, even the food, they even had to change names most of the time. They were given slave names and they were a people of sorrows in those days. And in remembering their time in captivity, we see this through Psalm 137. It says in the NLT, Beside the rivers of Babylon, where we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem, we put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of the trees, for our captors had demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing to us one of those songs of Jerusalem. We said, how can we sing the songs of our Lord while in a foreign land? I want to remind us today that we actually live in a foreign land. But if we're honest, even before COVID and really putting COVID aside now, this idea that Christians in the West are living in exile has been building steam over recent decades and years, becoming really apparent for all of us as we look at culture today. Now, for, about, for uh, Israel back then going into Babylon, for God's people, they now lived in a place where instead of their faith being central to everything, it was pushed to the margins. Instead of Yahweh, Babylon found God in plurality. Instead of a slow, steady, and considerate life, it was frenzied and accelerated and sinful. Idolatry was everywhere they turned. Does that sound a little familiar to us today, perhaps? Yes, when we talk about Christian exile today, we're not talking about the physical limitations of COVID, although that really uh, resonates with us so much as we're talking about being engulfed by a culture at large that is as alien to the Jews in Babylon as the disciples of Jesus embedded today in Western culture. A few weeks ago, uh, my, my heart sank when my wife got an email from her gym. It, it basically said that, you know, yoga is back on. Uh, there's going to be a few less people. They're going to open up the windows. And instead of two meters, they're going to be three meters apart. And, and you're good to go. And my heart sank as our, our government let um, yoga happen um, without really speaking into faith communities. Now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the hard and amazing and important work that our government is doing. You know, they're trying their best to stop our hospitals from being overwhelmed. My wife's a nurse. I really like that one. And to protect the vulnerable. Their mission is a good one. But it's impossible not to see what our society finds important is very different to what we find important. Little to no provision for faith-based practices, for prayer, even if we met the same guidelines as gymnasiums and, and yoga classes and things like that. Now, yes, we can do this online, but it's dim and really a one-dimensional reflection of what God calls us to in fellowship and community. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should throw caution to the wind. Yes, church, as normal as we used to do right now, shouldn't happen. And I'm thankful that God can speak into our hearts through an online service. But guess what? You can stretch on a yoga mat in front of your laptop too. I've never tried, but I assume you can. And it's highlighting for us that we, yes, we do live in a foreign land, foreign ideas, foreign practices. 
And it's in this place, this realization and this posture, this awakening to our position in society today that actually scripture is able to come alive and breathe life into us once again. You know, as the three of us and maybe different people in the church today are reading Jeremiah 29, we're reading that with new lenses on. As we come and see, it's like, God, we're not the dominant force here. We're not a Christian nation. Now we get to read scriptures written by exiles for exiles as much of scripture was with that new lens and that light and we learn lessons everywhere you know the lesson we learn in jeremiah 29 is you know from verse 7 it says but seek the welfare of the city where i have sent you into exile pray to the lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare and it's the new testament as well The New Testament was written to exiles and aliens, most of whom were living in their homeland. But exiles, because their new life, their baptism into discipleship to Jesus, led them to become utter outcasts from their parents and homeland culture. And our Western world seems ever increasingly, you know, full speed ahead into post-Christian thinking. Faithful and humble 21st century followers of Jesus are left in much the same position as their first century counterparts. You know, reading some parts of of scripture where it points to this fact that we are exiles, says this in Hebrews 13, 14, for we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Earlier in 11, 13, it says, for all these died in faith, not having received the the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And Philippians 3.20 says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just in a moment here, we're going to turn to 1 Peter 1. In fact, if you've got a Bible with you this morning, why don't you just open it and turn there? It's in the, in the New Testament. And it's, it's written by Peter, who's one of the apostles. That's one of Jesus' first disciples and who walked with him, who saw him crucified and resurrected. It's him writing a letter to the early church that lived in the Roman Empire. In, in this case, they're living in first century Turkey. And it comes at an interesting time. Peter's writings here, we believe, um, are written right around AD 62 or 63. And it's important because this is where Christians in the Roman Empire, at least, would soon feel that first wave of horrific persecutions that were to come. Now, in AD 64, a couple years after this letter, Rome burned for nine days and two-thirds of the entire city was destroyed. Some suspect that Nero, who was emperor at the time, uh, set the fire. And, well, at least we do know as a scapegoat afterwards, he blamed the early church, early Christians living in the area. And what followed was a great persecutions for the Christians there at the time. You know, Peter, who writes us this letter, which we're about to read parts of, died in those very same persecutions. So it's with that sobriety um, that we open 1 Peter here this morning. And, uh, and it's in that posture and that knowledge of what Peter's writing about, what he's preparing that church to endure in a couple years to come, um, that we see the immeasurable importance and value that its first hearers would have taken it with. 
Um, you know, we experience a little exile here today. They experienced a lot. But let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, and let's see what we find out here this morning. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadonia, Asia, and Bithynia. I love that in verse 1, we've, we hear that we are elect, that God has chosen us. We did not stumble into the Christian faith, but we were elected by him. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. I love this in verse 2 because we see that God knows what's going on. The foreknowledge of God the Father. We know that his Holy Spirit is with us. Also from verse 2, God is sanctifying us. And he's enabling us to live a life of obedience to Jesus' way. In spite of all the opposition that they faced. In spite of all the opposition that we face today. In verse 3 to 4, let's continue. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, to an inheritance that is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. Just pausing there, I love verse 3 and 4 because we, church, have a living hope today. If the early church could have a living hope with those coming persecutions, living under the rule and fist of Rome, then how much more can we have a living hope today with our modern blessings and our modern privileges? You know, if we have a living hope, it means it's alive. But some of us this week or this month or in the past year, our hope has been sleepy at least or dead. Why can we have hope? Well, because of the imperishable inheritance that is waiting for us. As I dwell on this verse and as I, as I churn on it, as I meditate on it, I realize that thankfulness in my life breeds hope and joy. You know, setting your eye on the finish line, setting your eye on the inheritance that God has for us. You know, if you just read what, what Jesus is setting out for us at the end of Revelation, what we're going to be adopted into it has the ability to raise our hope from this current turmoil. There is no way that you can see and know what is going to happen in the coming days when Jesus returns that doesn't bring hope and joy. We got to set our eyes on the finish line. From verse 5, it says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ Jesus. Church, in here we find that we are being guarded by God's power. I want to encourage you, as Wes encouraged us um, before this message, that, you know, facing trials is easier in community. 
One of the things that I, I love that the government still is able for us to do is to go for a walk with other people. You know, they say as, as long as it doesn't turn into a, a, a standstill hangout, you can go for a walk. Um, so I'm, we encourage you guys, you know, call someone up, say, hey, let's go for a walk. You can do it. It's legal. Get out there. You know, if you're facing trials, just call up that person and say, will you walk and pray with me? You know, we've been doing that a little more here and prayer in this time is amazing and encouraging. We can practice little bits of community, little helps that are going to help guard us. You know, this whole first section is about where as Christians in exiles are to find hope. So for us as exiles, for us torn apart from one another to here today, and for us living in a culture that um, prioritizes different things, here we can find the same hope and joy. The second point that I want to join us uh, to this week is knowing that the world is trying to draw us away from God. Let's go jump a little bit later to verse 13, 1 Peter 1, 13 to 17. Let's read it here. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Verse 14 is saying the world is asking us to be conformed to it in so many different ways. And living in the Western world today, it can be entirely convincing of its ways, its things that it wants us to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy both social media and binging a good Netflix series when you find one as much as the next person. But we do have to realize that if we're consumed with our culture, if we're, if we're in it all together all the time, if we can't get away from it, that it acts like propaganda for us for the digital age. You know, the world is not progressing in a direction um, of becoming closer and closer to the God of the Bible. Jumping back to verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We can be ignorant if we just live in that place of consuming what the world is throwing at us, whatever they throw at us. You know, Camilla and I, since, since Christmas, have been going through a, a bit of a cool season. You know, we've been turning off the TV at about 8.30, making sure our phones are put away at that time as well. And, you know, making the time to properly enjoy one another and God's word in that time as well. And we're already seeing a shift towards peace and contentment in our lives a bit more than where we were uh, prior to the new year. It's so awesome to see that if you quiet your heart, if you concentrate on God, if you make time for him in your lives, if you put down the things of the world that are really yelling at us all the time, that God wants to speak, God wants to give us peace, God wants to give us joy, God wants to make us content with what he has given us. When I find myself spending more time in the world's things than God's things, I'm anxious. I'm not sober. I'm worried about all these things. I can feel myself twitching. But when I rest in God... I become sober-minded on the things that he wants us to be mindful of. You know, the modern world, the economy is called the attention economy. People can make money off of you just by having and holding your attention because of different things. So let's us set our attention not on those things, but on the things of God. 
My third point for us here this morning is, is found um, in chapter 2 from verse 11. But, and this is all about how we are to conduct ourselves while we live in exile. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What I find sobering here is that even when we live honorable lives according to God, that you know the world is still going to call us evil. Um, I talked about this before in preachers, but you know we've moved from a Christian society to a post-Christian world, at least here in the West. And with that, three shifts have happened, and these are probably going to be obvious, except maybe the last one. You know, we've shifted from the majority to the minority. We've moved as Christians from the center of the world to the things that are things are going on. You know, in government, in culture, we've moved from the center to the fringe. And lastly, interestingly, we've shifted from being the moral compass of our world to our very beliefs being immoral. Christianity today, by the culture at large, more and more is going to be seen as immoral. And that's because the world has a different set of morals. And we can see that our culture is putting up less and less with what it believes is wrong about Christianity and God's word. The last shift, that shift from being the moral compass of society to being immoral, immoral is the most dramatic over the last few decades. And as Christian beliefs are now immoral as judged by culture at large, we can conduct ourselves with honor in accordance with the Bible. But we are still judged as evildoers because of the culture that has shifted so far. Let's continue on from verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. May we find out that we are to honor everyone, even an evil emperor, if we are under their rule. Now, honoring might not be the same as obeying in every situation. I think Peter here is saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is our mission for the gospel, is to win people, is to have our community. So therefore, let us live as honorable people. You know, Peter's letter and really the whole New Testament was not written as instruction to overthrow the government and seek a political victory. No, in fact, Jesus didn't come either seeking political victory. In fact, he subjected himself to the political leaders of the time, even though he could have overthrown them in a second. Now, of course, around the world, there's Christians that meet together. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about where it's not legal to be a Christian, where they meet together against government rule. It's possible to honor the government 
but also honor God. And obviously, we honor God first. And we need wisdom, and we need character, and we need patience, and we need prayer on how to walk forward if there's division there between what our government says and what, and what God says. You know, Christians in those early 80, 60 times, yes, what came was a time of great persecution. But 250 years later, over 50% of Rome had become Christian. In fact, even the emperor switched his faith to Christianity. God is looking to move. We don't need a political revolution. We need a spiritual revolution. We need our neighbors to come to faith. We need the gospel message to go out. We need it to weigh on our hearts. We need to know that we are not living in a Christian world anymore. And we need to get into the presence of God and pray. I believe that there is a growing awareness and I'm hearing murmurs around the Western world where we're seeing that, you know what, when the importance of Christianity fades in a culture, it creates an opportunity for God to come again. I believe God wants to move in power in our lifetime. Just as we end here this morning, I'd love to read over us um, the final um, words of Peter as he spoke to his people. In 1 Peter 5 from verse 6, he says this as a final prayer. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Isn't that good hope? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever amen let's go back and spend some time worshiping this amazing god this morning church thank you for listening